Movies! Welcome to Big Boy Movies, coast to coast. I'm one of your coastal big boys, Matt Beebe. I'm another one of your coastal big boys, John George. And here we are, in across a nation, I'm uniting near... the whole of the United States. Yeah, I'm near the Atlantic Ocean, BB's near the Pacific Ocean, two oceans, yeah. one podcast. Crazy. <laughs> that's, that's actually going to be the new name, is the, the Two Oceans <laughs> Podcast, where we review various fish and activities from each ocean. And all, also all the Oceans movies, Oceans 11, Oceans 12. Yes, yes. And all those ones. Um, we, of course, are Oceans 2. Uh, yes, the, the, the two people. of us. <laughs> <laughs> Oceans 2, where they start a podcast about robbing a casino. I would love to see like Oceans 1, where it's just like one person just robbing a casino. <laughs> casino. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, but yeah, we're... It's happened. Um, I, I think we should point out where's is Mar- Marty is also on the video call with us. Yes, Marty is on the video call. He's actually in the in the dead center of the nation. Yeah, um, he's in Kansas right now, sort of uh, operating the radio waves and the frequencies, making sure everything connects perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he is happy to be living in Kansas. Uh, he's not happy about George's uh, impression of him last week. Very upset. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, <laughs> he was pretty mad. That's, uh, that's part of the reason he left the state. He couldn't even stand being in the same state as George. Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, no, he's happy out there. He's already developing his next movie. Um, it's going to be the sequel to Nebraska called Kansas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which uh, I did, after I, since I saw since I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the movie we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. After I saw Nebraska, I noticed the guy from Nebraska's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, he's in like every Tarantino movie. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, well, he's now he's like iconic to me for some reason. Because yes. I'm like, that guy was the Nebraska guy. <laughs> he's, he's the iconic old man. He was uh, the only other Tarantino I can think off the top of my head. He was in Django as like one of the slave owners. Um, but I think he's been in more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I don't know why. The first time he stuck out to me was Nebraska because he was very good in that movie. Yeah, he was like the main character of Nebraska. Yeah, Um, but he was very good at playing an old, confused man, and he did that once again in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely, Uh, (laughs) and in one of the best scenes, also. Yeah, I agree. Um, And yeah, uh, we are reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood today as part of our uh, race to get all the Oscar noms uh in there uh before the oscars actually happen so we're we're doing a little bit of a throwback this week and we'll we'll see where we go from there yeah we'll see if we're, we're able to do little women um yeah we'll see what happens uh I, i'm going to new york next week so I'm gonna oh, be okay yeah so we'll i see if we have time i i had some work to do today i could not get to the theater um but i was able to stay at home and and watch a three-hour movie and also a two-hour movie this morning so really i'm not that busy um phoebe you could have done it yeah well i was thinking about that as i was watching uh my first movie this morning and i was like "Ah, but then i gotta walk all the way to the to my closest theater and you know, that's a whole that's a whole deal. And then I got to go to the ticket counter and be like, one for little women. They're like, ooh, you're a little pervert, aren't you? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And alone then, uh, going to little women? Come yeah, on. a lone man going to little women. And the theater would definitely be like 
almost empty because that movie's been out for a while. Yeah. Makes so, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Instead, instead, what I'll do is I'm planning on seeing it on Monday because I have the day off on Monday um, where the theater will guaranteed be empty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I the will still have to get one ticket for Little Women. Well, now you're going to be in the theater with like the other perverts who, who go to see Little Women on Monday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who skip work. Yeah. <laughs> the difference is I'm not skipping work. I'm just oh, yes. not yeah, yeah. at work. Yes. I, they're probably not skip. Their work is being a pedophile. Probably. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. <laughs> Pedophiles love little women. <laughs> oh, well, no. <laughs> that's that's an official quote from our podcast. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, we're <laughs> coast to coast. Maybe that's not working out. Yeah. Marty, delete that. Marty, before it gets to the East Coast, destroy <laughs> it. Destroy <laughs> it in transit. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is, I, I've been called a pedophile many times this week for my movie taste. So wow, really? By Neil on, correct me if I'm wrong, I got called a pedophile. Oh, so. okay. Well, that sounds like a Neil thing to say. Yeah, well, it's it's because of the movies I watched um, this week. But before we get into the movies we watched this week, let's let's lead off the, the podcast with our Oscar predictions. Oh, that's right. The, the dang Oscar predictions. Yeah. Uh, we're doing that. Uh, the Oscars are a week from tomorrow from when we're recording this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I um, believe so. And they could, these come out on Monday, so it'll be less than a week from when we release this podcast. Yeah. And we'll be a hundred percent correct. Oh yeah. So that's why we're just getting it over. We're, 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 we decided they don't need to do a four hour thing. We can just say the winners on this podcast. Oh so. yeah, Absolutely. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, which a lot of people did and nice. <laughs> yeah. If you're coming back for a second week after, uh, last week, welcome. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've already turned it off at this point, but thank you. <laughs> Sorry. We don't have two very funny men. I, I miss them, but yeah, we, we got to get some more comedy men out here. Really, oh, yeah. really jam pack every week with, with very hilarious men. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm in Boston, I should get like the Boston funny people. Yeah. Bill Burr. Bill Burr would be great on yeah. here. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll get, I'll get Bill. I wonder what his opinions on movies are. Oh, he hates everything. <laughs> he's, he's so mad all the time. Oh yeah. He, he's always pissed. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember, but we're doing the Oscar. Oh yeah, no, that last week we uh, we picked um, who we want to win Best Picture, but this mm-hmm. is specifically who we think is going to win each category. Yes, maybe we can throw out who we want um, for the other categories because we didn't say that last week. Yeah, um, but this is mainly to say who we think the freaking Academy is gonna gonna pick because they're a, they're a whole different beast than me and matthew Beebe here so oh absolutely we are we are cut from a different cloth as those hoity-toity academy perverts <laughs> you keep coming they, back to that but they watched little women oh yeah well clearly not <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously um i'm just gonna like i don't know let's start i'm gonna i'm on the wikipedia page Okay, and we picked like five. I picked five ones that I really want to do, but let's just like let's roll through them. We can do yeah, some let's, of these quickly. Let's steamroll them. We can do some of these quickly. Um, I got. Well, let's start with uh, best visual effects. Are you also? Do you also have them open, or should I read these? Um, should I read these you, you should read them to me. I do not have them open. Okay. Best visual effects is Avengers: Endgame, Irishman, Lion King, nineteen seventeen, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. 
All right, out of out of all those picks, this seems like a gimme for Avengers. I think. I I agree with you. I think this is a, I think this is Avengers. I think. I mean, this is the only one they're nominated for. So. Oh know. really? Out of everything? I, I thought I got so. one more. Oh yeah, maybe it did. Let me scroll up, or let me just yeah. command or control F this. Oh yeah, wait. no Apple products here. Yeah, sorry, I'm not on it. I'm actually not on an Apple product right now. Yeah. Even though I have one, embarrassing. Yeah. Strapped to your wrist. Yep. Avengers. Only one nomination. It says. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna say like, because most people think this is sort of Marvel's Return of the King situation, except Return of the King was actually like nominated for a lot of stuff. So <laughs> maybe this is Marvel's one Oscar. They usually get it. Um, I would say the only con- other contender might be Lion King, just because it is so ridiculously. VFX heavy. I mean, it's the whole movie, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it. I guess it depends on whether they're gonna f- favor realism over just crazy a million characters on screen at once. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think Avengers has got it. And um, if the Irishman wins, BB will throw fit. <laughs> oh, absolutely, Marty. You hear me right now? I will fly to Kansas and kick your ass. Oh yeah. Um, as as two people who edit move or edit videos, let's just do best film editing. Of Ford, course, Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Man, not a strong year for editing. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would agree there. Um, no, nothing really jumps out at me. Um, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be Irishman. Because they clearly cut a cut a little bit out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> not enough cuts. Yeah, I not, do, not I, nearly enough cuts. I do think it's going to be the Irishman, but just because of the person who edited it, and that's Thelma Schoonmaker who yes. edits, edits all of uh, Scorsese's stuff. I think that's the main... Just because it's not a strong year, I think they're going to give it to the biggest name, which is her. Yeah, I'm going to say... Sorry, can you read the list one more time for me? Ford v. Ferrari, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite. I think out of that list, Ford v. Ferrari jumps out at me the most. This this is sort of a blend of who I want and who I think, but it's a, it's a car movie, goes really fast. Um, I remember the movie sort of having decent pacing, so I I think Ford v. Ferrari is is my editing pick. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that could possibly win too. That's that's in second. That's in second for me on what I think yeah. it's going to win. Yeah, the rest I don't think super jumped out at me. Like they, I mean, they were edited well, but I guess when I think of because because the award's technically called like outstanding achievement in editing or something, right? <laughs> so it's not just like you did a good job. It's like something special happened on screen. Yeah, outstanding achievement. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that makes it sound even better. All right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Best. Um, I'm going to do one of these. Let's do best costume design. The, okay. Ir- the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, all good costumes, actually. Yes, it is just all people wearing clothes. <laughs> um, I mean, they all had a theme. Like, Jojo Rabbit had, like, a theme going for it, like, Nazi Boy Scout. Yeah, yeah, period. Joker stuff. was just one person in a costume. Yeah, it was Joaquin Phoenix wearing a, a clown suit. Yeah, and then Little Women, Little Women wearing things. I while I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood today, I did say to myself, Brad Pitt's uh, costume where he wears the Hawaiian shirt and the champion shirt, mm-hmm. ooh, 
I love that. I would love to just cop a pair. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, that might have just been what he wore to set that day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I love it. Yeah. No, it's great. Like, again, all these movies have good costumes. I think they all did a good job. But this is one of the things that confuses me where this is where I feel like it's easy to give the sci-fi films and the fantasy stuff. I mean, granted, Avengers shouldn't be nominated because all those costumes were fake and CG. Um, (laughs) They literally didn't even finalize, like, the final costume designs until after the movie was already shot uh, for a lot of costumes in that movie. Um, But, yeah, I guess it's tough. I I guess maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen Little Women, but I feel like the period-accurate stuff might take it. Um. Yeah, it's that's that's a tough one for me. I don't have a great eye for that. I have no. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've watched the Oscars very often, but I have no clue like mm-hmm. the history of this award and what's chosen. I just clicked on it on Wikipedia to see what's been chosen in the recent years. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther last year, Phantom Thread. Okay. So Phantom Thread's very similar to Little Women. Um, yeah. So that could. I, I could see that. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road, Grand Budapest Hotel very much deserved that one. Yeah. Well, uh, like Mad Max makes sense, right? Because they're wearing yeah. like insane garbage all over yeah. their body. Like someone had to dig all that garbage up and put it on a person. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of these seem like uh, I, I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's costume a lot, but I don't know what's going to win this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Jojo Rabbit might get it. Um, maybe if only because of Scarlett Johansson's shoes. Oh, possibly. If Joker yeah. wins, I'm going to be mad. It's one one costume. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that has been done many times before, and it was pretty similar to the, the other The jacket time. is red this time, John. <laughs> what a choice. What a visual yeah. choice. Bold. They took all the blue out of that purple jacket. It's just red now. Wow. Mark Bridges, the costume designer for Joker. You are brilliant. Way to, way to find those clown costumes. Wow. Um, okay, let's move on to best cinematography because uh, the big boy movie of the year, Lighthouse. Roger Deakins. <laughs> uh, Deakins. The Irishman Joker, Lighthouse 1917, which is Deakins, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, it's Deakins. It's the well. Deke. I'm sorry, Lighthouse, but it's the Deke. Yeah, he's going to win this one. Uh, now that the floodgates have opened and he actually won his first one with Blade Runner, it's time mm. for him to just, he's just going to keep winning. It would be like an insult to not choose him, I yeah. feel like. Um, Blade Runner was beautiful. 1917 was beautiful. Deacons is great. Deacons is a great cinematographer. He deserves it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, although I did like the Lighthouse cinematography. Lighthouse was great. Again, like, <laughs> Lighthouse was good, but it's, not gonna it's, it's the great cinematography on top of the one-shot thing that it's like, how do you not choose that? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's... Where do I go now? Um... What do we care about? <laughs> um, I'm just going to move up to, we haven't seen documentaries. International feature film is going to be Parasite. I think yeah. um, that one's obvious. We we didn't see any of these animated films besides Toy Story 4, I think. I don't know. You didn't see any of these other ones. Yeah, no, especially because Frozen 2 got snubbed. So Yeah. Um, I guess I should see I Lost My Body because apparently that's a great Netflix film. Yeah, I've, I've also heard that's good and I want to check it out. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen any other ones. Okay, let's do screenplays. First is best adapted screenplay, which is The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. I didn't know The Two Popes was based on a play, The Pope. 
huh. instead yeah, well, of I the didn't... two popes. <laughs> yeah, they really the they upped the ante for that one. <laughs> yeah, they were like, what if we take the pope and we add another pope? Oh, could... <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly the director like opened the book one day and he's like, oh, I'm going to read about the Pope. And then there, like a second one showed up and he's like, whoa, this is a, they just, got a that's a huge twist. You got to lead with that, guys. <laughs> that's, a, that's a way too many Popes. That's that's twice the Pope. <laughs> um. OK, best adapted screenplay out of these five. Um. Also, it's weird that I didn't realize Jojo Rabbit was adapted either. Yeah, it's based on the novel Caging Skies by Christine oh. Lu- Lunens. Okay, sure. Um, and then, of course, you have the I Heard You Paint Houses book, and mm-hmm. the Joker's just based off a character or characters. It's based off of the, the comic book Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and then Little Women is, of course, based off of um, this book called Catcher in the Rye. So. Oh yeah, no, really <laughs> yeah. bold choice to uh, <laughs> switch that name. <laughs> yeah, to, change to a name, different, different famous change, novel. Change the uh, the na- main character and the time period. <laughs> yeah, it was really bold. But, yeah, I remember reading uh, Little Women in high school, and the the word "fuck" was written in it, and y'all were like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that's huge." Uh, I don't know. I I keep my brain keeps saying Little Women, but this is the Oscars, so I have to decide what the Academy is thinking, what their brains are saying. Yeah, it's it's hard because we're also biased towards Joker. I feel like. Yeah, but like you know, yeah, I don't Joker think Joker's screen, gonna get it. Is the Joker screenplay really that great? No, it's not. Um, I'm just trying to think because Joker's got gonna win something. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there, but. I think I haven't seen Little Women, so I can't talk. I because I think that is a strong contender, and then there was another. And I think Irishman is also those. Those are the top two for me that I think might get it. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Irishman probably. But if if there is like the Go- Globes had Netflix hate in mm. their hearts, if that's happening again, I I could. Uh, I guess I could see this. I don't know. This could I could see this going to anything because the two. Po- I was gonna say the two popes, but that's also Netflix. Uh, yeah, but I could see this randomly going to the two popes. I've seen the two popes. BB has not. Yeah, and this the two popes is a movie or at least a screenplay that seems like seems like an old person in the Academy would be like, I enjoyed that film a lot. I love those popes. Yeah, so I could uh, I could see the two popes winning this somehow. I think I'm I think I'm locking in with the Irishman, and I might be screwing myself because I haven't seen Little Women, but I think Irishman is is just the right flavor of screenplay for this. Yeah, I I personally think out of these five, Little Women should win, but I think I agree. I think Irishman's probably going to take it. Yeah. Okay. Best original screenplay: Knives Out, Marriage Story. 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. This oh, is, man. This is pretty stacked. Like this is, It is really stacked. I'm, is I mean, I'll, I'm going with golden, my Golden Globes prediction. I think Once Upon a Time will probably take it, even though I desperately want Ryan Johnson to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, Reddit will cry. <laughs> Yeah, Reddit will implode. It will crumple up into a, a neutron star, and we will not be able to access it anymore. I just want Ryan Johnson to be able to make a speech because I feel like he will. 
call out something. He'll like mention Star Wars. I feel like he'll mention Last Jedi. I want him to. Maybe I don't know. He <laughs> he seems like such a nice guy. So I feel he like is. he might be a he might be beyond that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I um uh, I do think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's gonna win this. Um, yeah, I I'd say it's Tarantino. That's his his thing is even more than directing his screenwriting. So I I think that's probably gonna go to him. Yeah, I think it's gonna go to him. Um, out of these, my personal choice for this is Marriage Story, obviously, or yeah. Parasite. Marriage Parasite also is a great screenplay, but Marriage Story is my favorite screenplay of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, best supporting actress, <coughs> Kathy Bates from Richard Jewell, our favorite. Um, oh yeah, everyone loves it. <laughs> Laura Dern from Marriage Story. Um, Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and then Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Mm. So I, you you missed uh, J-Lo, right? She's on there. You just forgot to read her name? Yeah, sorry. I skipped over J-Lo. And, um, <laughs> no, she's not there, dude. Ah, Academy. <laughs> you did me dirty, Academy. All right. This one's obviously going to be Laura Dern. So let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think Scarlett Johansson has a a strong chance for this one, stronger than than her lead actress one. But I mean, I think for even though I like didn't even think Laura Dern was that incredible in Marriage Story, I still think she's gonna win it. Yeah, and I still think Laura Dern deserves uh, Little Women now more than Marriage Story. Yeah, um, I think out of these five, my personal pick would be Florence Pugh. So. Yeah, Lawrence Paul. But it, it is Pew confirmed. I, I watched a video of her recently where she called herself Florence Pew. She calls herself Lawrence Pew. Yeah. Well, she's English, isn't she? Yes. Um, best supporting actor. They have they are have male genitals instead of female genitals. Oh yeah, best supporting penis. <laughs> Thomas Hanks, MTV Award nominee. Thomas Hanks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> For A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and then Bradley Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Another easy one, right, BB? Give it to Brad. Yeah. Give it to that. Give it to Bradley. Just I, do it. I think I think everyone, at the, after the Globes, I think everyone's just like, yeah, this is Brad. This is Brad's to lose at this point. I think Brad's going to take it. Yeah. Um, he uh, He's so good. <laughs> Yeah, he's he. Oh my God! I was t- BB was saying Brad Pitt's so good, and I like after this movie, I think I've realized like Brad Pitt. I just love him and everything he does. There's not a moment I've hated Brad Pitt. He's just so like we'll get to to the Once Upon a Time review, but he's just so likable. Like I felt like I was friends with him by the time the movie was over. Yeah, um, but he was. We always forget he was also an Ad Astra this year, and he was fantastic in that too. Yeah, he was great in that. It's. You don't get as much of the charisma in that one, which I feel like is why Once Upon a Time is very, like, the obvious choice. But, yeah, he's an incredible actor. Yeah. Uh, but it would have been for best actor, not supporting actor. So they should have given true. it to him for, for that one. Yeah, he should have also gotten the double nom, like yeah. uh, ScarJo. I agree. Um, speaking of ScarJo, let's do best actress now. Um, Cynthia Erivo in uh, Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Cersei Ronan. And Little Women. I like how when you say Cersei, you like get an Irish accent. I thought it was Saoirse. I don't know. I think it's Cersei. Oh, okay. 
That's what I've heard her say out of her own mouth. I remember there was a video where she was with Margot Saoirse. Robbie. It might be Sersha. Yeah, Sersha. She, she was she was with Margot Robbie, and she was like, oh, people always say my name wrong. And Margot's like, oh, well, how do people usually say it? And she goes, Sersha. And she Saoirse. goes, well, how are, you su- how are you actually supposed to say it? And she goes, Sersha. And <laughs> Margot Robbie's like, you, you said the same thing. That's, I, I did not hear a difference. Sersha. Um, Charlie's Theron and Bombshell, and then Renee Zellweger and Judy. Um, based off the Globes, and it seems like everyone's just like Renee's going to win this one, even though that's a movie I haven't seen. Yeah. It's a weird one. It's a weird outlier, but... Uh, Apparently, that's the best best actress performance this year, according yeah, to we, all the awards. We can't say, so I guess we'll we, I, I guess we'll say that it's probably going to be that, even though I think ScarJo uh, might deserve it. Yeah, out of these five performances, I would say my favorite ScarJo, even though I only saw two. <laughs> yeah, that's the other tough thing. Like Harriet is just like. Did anyone see that movie? Yeah. I think during the Globes, I tech or I messaged you and I said um, that like bet you can't you shouldn't be able to be nominated for best actor, best actress if the movie you were in like if your performance wasn't good enough to make the movie you were in considered good. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Like I think without Joaquin Phoenix, Joker would have sucked, so he deserves the nom. But mm-hmm. Judy, Harriet, and Bombshell are all average movies at best, according to critics. Um, so their performances weren't able to even like get the attention of people. Nobody has seen any of these movies. Bombshell was the only yeah. one I actually saw trailers for. Judy and Harriet yeah. didn't even know they existed until the Oscars. So yeah, um, I just feel like they might have had good performances, but not good enough to make the movies relevant at all. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely a weird category because it's the one category that just nominates all these movies that no other category acknowledges. Yeah. Uh, but best actor, uh, you have Antonio Banderas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, Banderas was in Pain and Glory, a movie that I am hopefully seeing soon because it is now out on the mm. internet. Nice. Uh, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. It's going to be Joaquin. Yep, it is. I have fully accepted it, and it's going to be Joaquin. Yeah, we both want Adam Driver, but it's it's going to be Joaquin. Adam Driver will get his one day. I think this is his most deserving uh, performance yet, but, mm-hmm. but Joaquin's getting so much love. It's just hard to, to not see Joaquin up there on the stage making another yeah, speech. And you, get that, you get that whole narrative of like... Um, uh, of the the Joker being like the one character that two people have played and gotten Oscars for and that whole thing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, now that Driver is free from Star Wars, he he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um. Hopefully he has. I mean, he's a fantastic actor. He was hilarious on yeah. SNL. If you haven't seen any of those skits yet, I still have to. I still have to watch all, all of his sketches because I I loved his his first SNL appearance. Oh yeah, he is. He was great again. He always is. Um. But yeah, th- th- this this list, in my opinion, is actually pretty stacked, too. I think people are only talking about those two, but I, I think Leo is pretty good once upon a time. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Banderas was very good in Pain and Glory, and that's his best performance ever. 
And then I think Price was actually really, really good in The Two Popes. He was like one of the only reasons I actually came out of the film liking it. So he, yeah. he played a great um, Pope Francis. So R.I.P. Adam Sandler, though. Yeah. 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 It's it's also sucks because I just read that apparently uh, Happy Madison just signed like a multi-million dollar deal with Netflix to produce like four more movies. Jack and Jill. So you, I, there's like an alternate universe. I feel like where Adam Sandler gets nominated for the Oscar and maybe wins it and like goes on to make more sort of like prestige films <laughs> and, and leave all the garbage behind. But now Damn now we get this. It's because all the Academy members were like, but but I like Jack and Jill. I don't want that to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we can't. We can't sacrifice this. I want a Grown Ups 3. I can't I can't nominate this man. <laughs> if, if Adam Sandler goes on to to be the next great actor, what will happen to Grown Ups 3? It'll never exist. Yeah, we he won't even be able to produce the next Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay, best director, you got Martin Scorsese, uh, the producer of this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't for that. It's for yeah. the Ir- it's for the Irishman. Uh, Todd Phillips, Joker, Sam Mendes, 1917, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, baby. Oh, yeah. Loving the Parasite, Doms. I am also. And here's the thing is I my top pick, I think, would be Bong Joon because I think Parasite's greatest strength is its direction. I agree. Um, out of out of everything, like the screenplay is good, but I think without the direction he gave, the screenplay, like the movie, just wouldn't have been nearly as good, even with the screenplay they had. Um, so it's sad that he's not going to win it, and <laughs> probably Sam Mendes is. Uh, yeah, this seems like it seems like Mendes. Um, if uh, yeah. Mendes is probably going to win it. I don't know. If Phillips wins it, obviously I'm quitting the podcast. Yeah, no, we're canceling the podcast <laughs> and we're we're putting it in a probe and shooting it out into space. If I if this Sunday I'm living in some weird world where I'm on my couch watching Todd Phillips make a speech holding a trophy up, <laughs> I am going to <laughs> jump out my window and oh, yeah, yeah. And in heaven hopefully I won't have to watch that the Oscars. Oh yeah, <laughs> just not watch the Oscars in general. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, I got probably Mendes to win this, I, or Tarantino. I don't know. I don't think Tarantino usually gets director like recognition. Uh, I'm going into this Oscars thinking Once Upon a Time is going to get a lot of love, and I think it's another situation. I think it's similar to the DiCaprio situation with the with uh, the Revenant. Um, mm-hmm. because DiCaprio was getting older. It was like, okay, it's time to give this guy some Oscar love. Tarantino hasn't got that much Oscar love as far as yeah. best picture goes and stuff like that. And we know for a fact, the next movie he makes is his last, according to him. Yeah. So it feels well, like it's time. We'll see. Feels like it's time. Feels like they're, the Academy is finally going to be like, okay, we'll give, we'll give Tarantino all the love, even though once upon a time in Hollywood is like in the middle for me like in the middle yeah. of his discussion it's it's definitely not his best movie i could see them waiting for for the 10th and just doing it then yeah true um but this one's about some, this one's about hollywood baby that's true it does have it 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 does have it for that going for it the academy loves movies about hollywood yep um yeah 
Probably Sam Mendes. I would just be so happy if Bong Joon-ho won this. So happy. I would too. I think that would be the most incredible thing. Uh, But I think the Golden Globes have have spoken for us. And not only is 1917 just like, you know, it's a good movie, but it's also a good movie that people like went and saw. And so... Mm -hmm. I think that's that's part of it is people being able to say, "Oh, I saw 1917. That was a good movie." <laughs> you know? It's yeah, 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 of course. Um and then best picture we talked about who we wanted to win on last week's podcast. Um if you didn't listen, I said Marriage Story or Parasite. And yeah, and for me, I said like in in a magical dream world, it would be Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um but I also realized that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go off what I said with best director. And I do think once upon a time in Hollywood's going to win. Uh, you think it's going to take it all. I do think it's going to be once upon a time in Hollywood. It feels, I don't know. After that Tarantino speech at, at the globes, like I can, I just have a feeling like he's going to, he's going to take a lot at the Oscars this year too. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I think the last few years of the Oscars, especially we've seen, movies where the winner of best director doesn't also win best picture, which is weird. Um, so if I'm going off my world where Sam Mendes wins, I think maybe there's a chance. I also still feel like the Irishman has, has a chance in there. Uh, maybe someone will see what the globes didn't see. Uh, and again, I didn't like the really like the Irishman. So I don't know why I keep rooting for it to win. (laughs) Um, but it feels like but, a, it feels like a movie. The Oscars would be like, yeah, that's it. Just the best. feels like an Oscar movie, you know. Yeah. It's because it's also one of those things where you know Marty's getting up there. All these actors are so old; they had to fucking blast their faces with computers to make them young. Yeah. Um, it it, it felt even though it's obviously not going to be Scorsese's last film, it felt almost like a last hurrah in a way that maybe it would get Oscar voters to sort of go in on it. Yeah. Also, like the story Marty tells in like every interview about the Irishman feels like a story that that all the Academy voters listen to. And they're like, yeah, that's that's the industry nowadays. You know, I I can totally relate to all that stuff you had to go through, Marty. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I guess I don't know. I think the the strongest pick is 1917. I think just based off of the globes and based off of the hype that it's been getting at the box office and all that. Um, although I think really any of these movies besides the Joker has, has a chance. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, it, this one's I'm going once upon a time in Hollywood. I also think a dark horse is if it's the green book, if, if they're going green book route again, I think it's going to be Ford V Ferrari. I think Ford V Ferrari. Oh yeah. I think Ford V Ferrari is the green book of this year. Um, absolutely so like I, I could easily it just depends what they go for you have you in like the history of best picture recently you have like so many different types of movies that they choose like mm-hmm. they'll choose the one that's like they'll choose like the artist that's like the most hollywood shit you've ever seen and it's just like only people yeah. who like have spent their whole lives in hollywood would actually like this movie mm-hmm. um and then you have like the like Moonlights and Twelve Years a Slave and all the ones that are like super important racial discussions and diversity yeah. discussions, uh, which I guess Green Book also fits into that. Yeah. Well, what's funny this year is we don't even have that. They've yeah. nominated like they nominated one black person this year, and it was for the Harriet Tubman movie. Yeah, that is crazy. It's super. Yeah, I don't know. 
That's super off. It's yeah, it's really bizarre, Um, which is funny because like I feel like nominating or Green Book winning last year and then having uh, Ford v. Ferrari this year, you go from like the the racial healing kind of, you know, white savior movie into just like the whitest movie possible. (laughs) Yes. The movie that you're like 40 to 50 year old white guy goes to and is like, ah, cars. I know those. Yeah. Well, the reason why Ford v. Ferrari reminds me of Green Book so much is because I think those people also would go to Green Book and be like, like Green Book feels like the movie that's like race is bad, but for those people, you know, like those are, Mm -hmm. those are the only movies that they can consume about race being bad that didn't wouldn't like make them all mad because they're yeah like, yeah because they're like oh that guy i was racist just like that white guy in the green book and yeah I can now really, i'm better <laughs> now i'm better because yeah black people are kind of cool yeah yeah <laughs> well, ultimately i guess it just comes down to how many like joe rogan fans are in the academy <laughs> <laughs> that's very true i, I always yeah. wonder how many joe rogan fans are in the academy what movie this year do you think Joe Rogan um, would pick as his best picture? doesn't even have to be out I, of these ones. Oh, it doesn't have to be in these ones? No. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Because like, I haven't seen a lot of movies up until we started this podcast. Um, I guess Ford v. Ferrari, if, if we're just going off this list. Otherwise, it's something like, you know, whatever. He loved the Joker. I remember watching a clip of him loving oh, the Joker. Oh, no, it would absolutely, it yeah. would 100% be the Joker. Yeah, yeah Joe, Joe Rogan and, and all of his, his Rogan heads would, would absolutely choose the Joker. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm going, I'm going, <laughs> I, I, the Oscars never picks the one I want to win. So I'm, yeah. I'm I am not. I mean, when's the last time they picked one? I'm going through this list. All these winners, I just don't like that much. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess, actually, I like Spotlight a lot, but that was not my favorite movie of 2015, but I did like Spotlight a lot because I'm a dirty journalism minor. Oh, that's right. So that, that, and I'm just mad about Moonlight because I like La La Land a lot better. And Spot, Spotlight is like your green book, I feel like. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, it's Spotlight <laughs> is the green book for journalist people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, dude, anything else about the Oscars or shall we move on? I think we can move on, although I do like this idea that every year we do a uh, we do who we think is going to win Best Picture, who we want to win Best Picture, and who we think Joe Rogan would choose as Best Picture. <laughs> we should do that for every movie, like what we think Joe Rogan would rate this movie out of five. Yeah, we'll do a Rogan score. <laughs> Rogan score on this one's a five out of five. He would freaking love this yeah, movie. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. We'll do that. <laughs> we can do that. So long. Go on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I didn't see that many movies since our last pod, I guess. I saw more than usual, and by that I mean two. Um, (laughs) usually you only see one, and it's for this podcast. Usually I see one or zero, so two is pretty good for me. Uh, yeah, I saw three, I think. Yeah, I saw three. Okay. Um, the first one was Psycho, which was pretty darn good. Yeah, classic. Yeah, the only... I think it was a perfect five-star movie until the very end when they literally have a guy stand in front of the camera and explain to you what happened. And I was like, okay, this, 
This is a bit on the nose. Like this is clear. They yeah. clearly like got told to add this part for the people who were confused about what just happened. They were like, it's like the end of cats. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, now everybody, a psycho is not a cat. <laughs> a cat is not a psycho is not a dog. That's exactly what it was like. And I was yeah. very confused about it. So it didn't get the five for me. It just got a four and a half, half star off for that part. Okay, that's still pretty good. Does Psycho also like changes main characters like halfway through, doesn't it? Yes. Um, yeah, it does. It, it's I like Hitchcock a lot. So yeah, and this was just another Hitchcock. And mm-hmm. um, Strangers on a Train is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I like the bird. I've saw the I've seen the bird Strangers on a Train and Vertigo, and I love all three of them. Psycho is right up there with those those four. All four of those movies, pretty great. Still need to see yeah. Rear Window. Um, but yeah, uh, how about you? <laughs> Move on. Uh, well, the first one I watched was a movie that you liked a lot, which is why I watched it. Uh, and the movie is called Swiss Army Man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I saw you gave um, this three stars. I did give it three stars, which I was worried you would be very mad. I am so um, upset at you. No, like, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> my girlfriend um, also, my girlfriend razzes me about liking this movie. She's like, how did you like this movie? It's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> it is really bizarre, uh, and it obviously like I like bizarre shit. Um, I, it was mainly the ending for me. I feel like uh, of Swiss Army Man that I was mostly not super hot on, uh, and I felt like I got what the movie was trying to do about halfway through, and that at a certain point it just didn't have as much to to give me. Um, uh, so. It's hard to talk about without spoiling it. I also, I'm not a huge fan of gross-out humor, and I feel like the farts in this movie were a little bit too much. <laughs> there were a lot of farts. There's a lot of farts. Um, but I really like Daniel Radcliffe. I'm really glad he did something really weird like this. Um, He's never going to get weirder than this. <laughs> yeah, when, when he... Uh, when his character starts talking and they start interacting, I'm like, all right, Daniel Radcliffe, I see you. <laughs> Cause he's just got that like weird ass look on his face the whole time. And he's very good at acting uh, like a dead person who just came back to life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I liked how he had to have every single thing explained to him down to like a metaphysical level. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a masturbating. Yeah. Yeah, like masturbating and like the concepts of love and crying and all all this sort of stuff was was definitely interesting. Um, but yeah, it was it was just one of those things where it didn't stick the landing for me, and uh, it it bridged a little bit too far into weird where I just started to dissociate and I'm like, all right, this is just sort of ridiculous at this point. Yeah, makes sense. Um, um, but, but the themes overall, I enjoyed, it was just sort of, it, it fell off at a certain point for me. Yeah. That's what I don't, I think the per, the only other person who really likes this film out of my friends with me is like the least likely person. His name's Brock and he, <laughs> he went to school with me. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. and yeah, you just would not, exp- if you looked at him, you would be like, this guy would hate Swiss army man, but he watched the movie yeah. And like after, like I forget, I watched it with him. It was like the second time I watched it, and I, the whole time I was like, "Oh shit, this movie's a lot weirder than I, than I remember." I shouldn't have showed this to my two friends 
who like I who don't like stuff like this. But then Brock came yeah. out of it and he's like, dude, that might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I was like, holy Whoa. shit. That's insane <laughs> that you like this movie. Because my because yeah. the other friend who watched it with us like immediately went to his room. He's like, Well, I am I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's literally what he said. He's like, Well, good night, guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, it's I'm I'm glad I watched it. It's it's always fun to see something weird and different like that, but it you know. Very excited for the Daniels next movie, which yeah. George, who was on the podcast last week, has uh, told me some secret information about. So I'm <gasps> very excited. Wow. You're not even in L.A. anymore, and you're still getting insider info. Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, uh, John, actually, let me check the time. I'm a few minutes late. Oh. You remember You remember when we were in L.A. and every every day at 6 o'clock they would play the, the L.A. national anthem? Yeah. Over the big, the big speakers across the city? They're late today? Yeah, they're a little bit late. To, I think it's going to start, so I'm just going to have to stand up and yeah, uh, yeah. put my hand over my heart and everything. They're going to play it over the speaker. Hold on. Okay. Uh, just, just give me one second. Oh, hold on. They're playing the ad before the uh, <laughs> yeah they before the national anthem. Always super. So annoying. they always. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, here it goes. Oh, hold on. I'll just shut the window. You know, this is a lot. This is like, hold on. Okay. All right. It's where it's, uh, it's the window shut. You shouldn't be able to hear it now. Um, yeah, man, Los Angeles. It's weird that they do it every night. Yeah. I, it's, that's super annoying. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, but while, while we're here, um, uh, they actually mandated uh, critics corner too oh. for for saturday nights that that was a new thing the mayor did after you left oh wow yeah I always yeah he crazy. he was he was one of the people who listened to last week's podcast and he loved critics corner so much every week it's uh, that he was like saturday. he was like every week after the the la national anthem i want you to do that critics corner for me and i said <laughs> all right brad pitt you're the mayor um <laughs> so yeah so uh, i'm just i'll just bust it out i might as well um Good theme, good good national anthem though. I, I like the one they chose. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, fits, and fits, um, fits Hollywood perfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this review, this critics' corner, uh, really nails Hollywood. Really, really gets them. Oh yeah. Um, I, I can't wait. I love nailing Hollywood. Yeah, no, he's he's got him dead to rights over here. Uh, this is a zero star review from Fit Jewel. Uh, about Swiss Army Man. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fit Jewel gave Swiss Army Man zero stars, and he, like many of our Critics Corner uh, contributors, as I like to call them, um, he, he's seen through the Hollywood system. He's seen the cogs that, that turn the wheels, and he's going to let us know about it. Uh, Fit Jewel says, Quite possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. I remember high school attempts at comedy that were more mature probably meant to be meaningful and deep but so sophomoric as to be insulting wow most of the underlying themes in quotes were boring versions of shallow thinking insights in quotes how could anyone spend the money to fund this it's so hard to fathom and here's where he gets us it must be one of those in circle productions where actors show they are not money driven producers show they can be artsy and professional reviewers (laughs) have to show off wait (laughs) they can be artsy and professional reviewers have to show that they can find something in this drivel to justify it being made and not insult others in the system 
by honest reviews. Jesus, you, this guy lost me. I'll be honest. I, he he. I think he like had a stroke or something towards the that end. That was very. That was that sentence is hard to hear. <laughs> oh man, it's it's. He missed a comma that tripped me up a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's as I bit. You know. I I think I'm actually swayed a little bit now that I think about oh, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I think I think Swiss Army Man was actually just. Um, you know, producers and and critics all getting together and handing each other hundred dollar bills. You know, around the circle. Yeah. Uh, to because this is what this is the future that liberals want is essentially what he's saying. Yeah, I think he's um, saying like it was a twenty four. Of course, the the, the people who uh, distributed yes, this the one. Hollywood. Uh, the Hollywood mega force that is A24. Yeah, they, that they are always throwing out those blockbusters. You know, A24's got the Van, the Avengers, the all the movies, all the sports mm-hmm. films, and all the, you know, all the big blockbusters. And it's like, every once in a while, they throw out one of these movies to show, like, oh, no, we're down to earth. Trust me. Yeah, this is where they really break out the piggy bank to pay off everyone who saw it and everyone who reviewed it and everyone who made it. And be like, listen, just just make the make the introspective fart movie. Do one of those so they so they think we're still making art yeah. out here. A twenty four, those slimy bastards. Always, yeah, always. Once in a while, they're dropping these these freaking yeah. indie movies. Like, come on, we we can see yeah, through your you know. Come on. You get you get Bernie Sanders elected and all of a sudden every movie is Swiss Army Man. Come on. <laughs> Be hilarious if Bernie Sanders reference Swiss Army Man in, in a debate. <laughs> Swiss Army Man, I love that movie. The the one percent they don't want Swiss Army Man played in theaters. The the American people have a right. To, to see Swiss Army Man. No, you, you can't be afraid to fart, you know, just like Swiss Army Man. The, the 1%, they've, they've made farting in public illegal. I'm going to bring, I'm going to take it away. I'm going to bring it back to the people farting in public. And also, once you're dead, you can fart. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh, one other thing about Swiss Army Man. It's, it's become very evident to me that they probably changed the name of the movie pretty late into production because in the movie... Multiple times they refer to Daniel Radcliffe as the multi-purpose tool guy. Oh, yeah. Do they say multi-purpose tool guy? They say it twice. He calls him a multi-purpose tool guy. And I'm like, okay, so you clearly wanted to call him Swiss Army Man. But someone was like, no, that's a copyrighted name. You can't. And then A24 probably came in and was like, yeah, we can get you the rights to that. Uh, Okay. I feel multi-purpose. Actually, multi-purpose tool guy. (laughs) That's Yeah, that's very catchy. I like it a lot. It, it is no, well that's the thing is it doesn't roll off the tongue but it does describe what he is yeah i i just want to go tell my friends hey you should go see multi-purpose tool guy it's a great movie <laughs> oh, i love i love that name <laughs> very easy to say yeah uh, i saw two more movies that kind of relate because my old roommate neil um saw the gentleman uh which is a mm. 2020 film the first 2020 movie we're talking about on big boy movies oh yeah um yeah, the gentleman. It's the new Guy Ritchie film, uh, director of Snatch and Aladdin, and the man from Uncle. Did did he do Great Gatsby, or was that someone else? No, that's someone else. Okay, I like the man from Uncle though. I also like the man from Uncle, um, which is the the gentleman is like the opposite of the man from Uncle in my opinion. Because I went into the man from Uncle just being like, I'm probably not gonna like this movie. It seems pretty average, mm-hmm. and then I. Um, saw it and I actually liked it a good amount. Um, yeah, I think 
Man from Uncle is one of the, like the truly underrated films. Yeah, I agree. Because like not a lot of people have seen it, and it's just like a good spy movie. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love our Ar- Army Hammer is also one of my favorite actors, and he's great. In Man from Uncle, I like Army Hammer. Yeah, and Henry Cavill too, just yeah. doing a good job. And Alicia Vikander's in that movie, um, who I liked from Ex Machina, and that's the main reason mm-hmm. why I saw Man from Uncle. Uh, but the gentleman I went in thinking it was going to be really good, like the Man from Uncle. Because Neil, my ex-roommate, uh, rated it five stars out of five. And I was like, oh, wow. this movie. And it's getting pretty good reviews on Letterboxd, too, honestly. But better than hmm. after seeing it, better than I think it deserves. Because <laughs> um, I gave it two and a half stars. Because I think it's a very run-of-the-mill, average spy film with some mistakes that I couldn't forgive at points and a lot happening way too much happening. Like Mm. it's just so, so much too many plot, different parts of the plot happening. I just didn't like that part mainly. Also, I'm not the biggest fan of Matthew McConaughey and I'm not the biggest fan of him in this film. Uh, But I love Colin Farrell and Charlie Hunnam's character. I don't know anything about Charlie Hunnam, but I, he was probably the best in this movie. He his only like really good thing I think was Sons of Anarchy, and then I don't think he's been in like a great movie yet. He's been in Looking at His Thing. He's been in Children of Men, which is a great movie, but I don't remember who he was in that movie. Yeah, Um, he's also been in Pacific Rim and Crimson Peak. Was he was he in the first Pacific Rim? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Okay. I remember. Yeah. He played um, Raleigh Beckett. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure, he did. Yeah, but The Gentleman, I gave two and a half. I think it's a very average film. Neil called me out on my other podcast for it um, because <laughs> the other movie I watched, I rewatched Eighth Grade with um, director commentary this time, which is Bo mm-hmm. Burnham and Elsie Fisher. Elsie Fisher, the main, the, uh, main actress in this film, and Bo Burnham, the director. Um, talking over this movie and it's basically just like a podcast that's like that yeah well that's fun. what commentary is it's fun i li- i liked it a lot um and i still yeah. like this movie a lot and neil called me a pedophile because i like eighth grade a lot a movie about a 13 year old girl and mm-hmm. i don't like the movie about badass british spies Yes, no, that's that's exactly the qualities of a pedophile. <laughs> um, and I, I had on on the podcast, I argued nothing. I, I was just like, yeah, I, I, I can't. That's the, that's a great argument. I don't yep. know. Oh, you got me. <laughs> I am. Yes. I <laughs> Darn. Uh, well, take me away, officer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So eighth grade, fantastic. I, I mean, it costs money to get the director commentary because you need to buy it on iTunes. Which it, actually, it's on sale on yeah. iTunes for like four bucks right now if you want to get it. I guess. That's why I got it. Oh, okay. And uh, but it is on Amazon Prime for free. So, so mm. you, or if you have Amazon Prime, of course. The commentary, Not the commentary, or just the movie, just the movie in okay. general. Um, yeah. But if you like this movie enough, where you're like, I want to listen to the commentary, I recommend it. It was gave me some great insight into the film too. They they both talked about some uh, behind the scenes things, which was fun. Yeah. I, I always really like listening to commentary. I never do it as much as I like because it requires you to like watch a whole movie again. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm really excited for Knives Out because he already released a commentary track that you could listen to like in the theater. Oh, nice. 
Um, but I'm just going to wait until it comes out on DVD because I really want to hear the commentary for that. I really liked the Last Jedi commentary track, uh, which is on Disney Plus if you want to listen. Oh, nice. I'm definitely um, going to check that out. Yeah, no, Ryan, again, like, it's so funny because he gets so much hate, but Ryan Johnson seems like genuinely the nicest man in the world. Yeah, I, and, I, and when you listen to his commentary, you just get that. Yeah, I love listening. I love watching videos with him in it on YouTube and stuff like that. He's just, a, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's a great, great dude. And I love hearing yeah. what he has to say. Yeah. Um, so uh, the last movie that I saw that I watched this morning before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was The Lion King. That song's in it. It's a good song. Is it on Disney Plus now, by the way? So I don't have to. It is. Give... It, it literally just came out on Disney okay. Plus. So I can watch um, this movie so I can like officially hate it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny because that's kind of the reason I watched yeah. it. <laughs> Um, so Lion King is my favorite Disney movie, uh, the 1994 classic. Oh, I thought this one. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, we're, we're getting there. The, the original Lion King from 1994 is my favorite Disney movie. Um, and it's got music by Elton John, who I'm a very big fan of. Um, and it's crazy because this movie in a lot of ways is a shot for shot remake and is not nearly as good. It's crazy how less good it is. I think, well, I think that's the reason why it's probably not as good because there's just that other one. There's already this. It already exists. Yeah. So, like, the point of this movie is like, okay, forget cartoons, forget the the hour, the hundreds of hours of of hand animation we put in in Lion King. What if it was real lions? Um, honestly, I could do a whole episode on this. So I'm trying to like gather my thoughts yeah, into something yeah. more condensed. Uh, basically, it's it looks photoreal. Genuinely, it's the most realistic CG I may have ever seen in my life. Um, and it is it is similar to Jungle Book, which I did like. Uh, and I like Jon Favreau as a director, so I don't know what happened here. But essentially, it's just like watching... It's like watching National Geographic, but the animals talk and sing sometimes. But the problem with with animals talking and singing is their faces aren't built for that. So when the animals talk, it's like you see their mouths moving and you're just like, they're not emoting. There's no expression. All the acting has to happen in the voice. And the voice cast is generally good, but it just feels soulless because it's all these real ass animals delivering these lines. Um, And and they're moving in, in really realistic ways. So you know how when people move in emote, you get like that sense of feeling. Animals, like animals only move as a, as like survival, right? Mm-hmm. Every movement an animal does is just to be an animal. So any sort of emotion or anything is gone from that aspect of their performance. Um, it's like in the very beginning when, when Rafiki holds up Simba and everyone goes, Wah! Rafiki's like sitting on his ass. Cause that's how like, if a baboon had to lift up a baby lion, it would have to like sit down. It couldn't stand up triumphantly mm-hmm. like he does in the animated movie. And yeah, <laughs> that's that sentence right there is the whole reason why this just shouldn't exist. Like exactly like the whole like, I don't know, like obviously people are like, oh, the Lion King's I don't know. the Now we're looking back and being like the Lion King is great because it's animated, which is not something you would yeah. say before. 
until they decide, no, we should do a version that isn't animated. And then you're like, well, this is off. Like, I don't know. It yeah. makes you miss animation. It makes you uh, just from like seeing trailers and stuff. Like I, I had no desire to, I don't know. In general, the remakes of these, of these uh, cartoons for Disney lately, I've just been, yeah like and it's it's different also because with at least with the live action remakes you get people yeah you know yeah exactly so the animation heightens everything and so with real people there's more work to do in a certain sense but this movie sucks every all like all the charm all the the whimsy of those old movies and just puts it in this very bland real world and the movie looks beautiful and the environments look beautiful but it's just like it's just so like Pumbaa, right? Big fat, funny warhog, but all he can do is f- like move his mouth up and down. Yeah, that's his whole animation because that's all like a warthog can do. Um, I think this is God's so fault. Why didn't it is God's <laughs> fault? Why didn't he make animals funnier and more animated? <laughs> Come on, God, what do you do? Didn't you know that yeah. they were going to make the Lion King into a thing like this? Come on, yeah, you should have just given like you know. It, there's a scene where Simba's sad because his fucking dad died, right? Um, lions can't cry. That's not like part of their physiology. So he looks very sad, but he doesn't cry. Um, so like one of the saddest scenes in like a film in general just all of a sudden becomes just, ooh, it's a lion. Yeah, <laughs> and it's still very sad. Like I felt really bad and seeing like little Simba kind of struggling after his father's death was really sad because it's still like a cute little cat. Mm-hmm. But... Again, that sense of emotion that you get from an actor's face is just gone. And that's probably my biggest issue with the movie. The other issues I have are uh, they didn't remove any songs, but they made some of them worse. Yeah. Um, How? The best the best example I can give is, you know, the song Be Prepared, Scar's big villain song? Yes. Um, he sings that to the hyenas. In this movie, he doesn't sing it at all. He just sort of speaks it. So he like says it, he says all the words like rhythmically and he also skips like a whole bunch of the song. They clearly condensed it way down and maybe the actor wasn't comfortable singing or something, but it's not Jeremy Irons. He sounds a lot like Jeremy Irons. Who, Um, wait, what's this character's name? Scar. Oh yeah, this is Scar. Uh, he, yeah. So be prepared is just, it's not removed from the movie, but it's just spoken with words and they did that. Um, they did that in the Jungle Book with the the orangutan song. I want to be like you, and that kind of worked because it was Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this this didn't work because Scar still has his like signature British accent and his very like deep malevolent tone. And I don't know why, but they were like, this song shouldn't be sung. Maybe they were running out of budget, and they were like, we can't animate a whole musical number. Um, so he just sort of jumps around and speaks the words to be prepared. That's weird. And then. The other issue is Hakuna Matata. Pumbaa has a whole big section, you know, when I was a young warthog. <laughs> um, but Seth Rogen can't sing. Yeah. So he tries, but it's not good. <laughs> um, and they change the song a little bit too. Like some of the lyrics change. They do a different goof about the farting. Um, but that wasn't as good. And yeah, it's... I would say, like, watch it because it's almost interesting. It's interesting to see how they made this movie worse. Okay. I, I'm definitely... That, that's my final Now that's on Disney+, Plus, I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, because yeah, I did, I, I'd I say worth the watch on Disney+. Plus. Um, 
but yeah, I again, I could go. I think I could go on for hours about this one. All right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take a peek at this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get into our main event movie, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This one came out. Oh yeah, came out a while ago in summer, but we didn't have a podcast then. It's true. I think it actually came out like almost right before we started the podcast. Or you know what it was? It was the last movie that I saw before we started the oh, podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um, so we were close, but uh, it's nominated for Best Picture, so we wanted to try to... We've done like almost every... This is like the first year that I've just been... That I looked at... Got the Best Picture noms, and I was like, oh, I only need to see one movie. Like, usually there are a lot of Best Picture noms I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did almost all of them except Once Upon a Time on Hollywood and Little Women, which we might do eventually. But once, yeah, we'll get to it. We might not be able to get to it uh, when the Oscars happen, but I'll, I'm going to see it regardless. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Once Upon a Time in Holly Weird. Uh, oh man, Holly Weird! <laughs> what a wacky, fun time they had over in Hollywood. Uh, a lot of hippies walking around. Yeah, well, I guess this movie still came out like very recently, so we'll do a non-spoiler section here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, you go first. Okay. Uh, so general impressions are: I actually liked it more the the second time that I watched it. Um, I think the the characters are great. I love Brad Pitt. Um, his wardrobe, his character, just the way he acts and talks is just so much fun and so likable. Um, the, I will say, I also maybe noticed a little bit more of its flaws this time around where the story is a little bit disjointed and never really fully comes together, but it's also forgiven by the last act of the movie, which is so good. Um, it, it takes a while to get there, but everyone doing their thing, like I got it. And I think the themes are very relevant, especially as someone who lives in LA and, sort of knows knows the place a, a little bit i know you can't relate because you've never been here <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Um, of course so uh yeah a good good ass movie not tarantino's best but i mean even tarantino's worst movie is still a good movie yeah um i also think it's good the second uh this is the second time i saw it and for me um I don't think it was better or worse. I think I, think I just felt the, the exact same about it that I felt at the same time, which is that it was good. And, I, and yeah. I enjoyed it. A lot of people, the complaints I've heard are the disjointed things. I've heard like some people say it's long. Some people say it's boring. Some people complain about Margot Robbie's characters and her, and her not having a bigger role. And those are all things I could see being complaints, but honestly, I don't have too many complaints about this movie. I gave this movie four stars. I'm going to give it four stars again. And Neil actually asked me like, why, like what's, why am I giving it four stars? Like what's wrong with it? Like he wanted specifics of like why it's not four and a half or five. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those weird movies where I like couldn't give him like, for some reason I just, it feels like a four to me. Um, yeah, I think I think we're going to discover those reasons because I think I have them. Okay. Yeah, I because I also I also give it a four because they're th- like the thing. It's just mainly because the things other people complain about aren't. I don't relate to those one. Like I I really like the fact that they're hopping around to each character's individual story. I like that feeling a lot. I like that it feels like that those individual stories are like 
like you have super long takes in there and super long like I like that feeling a lot that 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 gives me um and the ending is just so like the last the last uh act is so good um I just love love rewatching that uh by the way don't rent this movie on iTunes I don't know if it was an iTunes problem my problem or a streaming problem or an internet problem but the last act of this movie like every other shot was just messed up it was decolored huh. and and it annoyed the hell out of me and i was like god that's god bizarre damn it itunes um <laughs> so yeah don't rent this on itunes like i did um okay yeah i i watched it on amazon prime video and had a a pleasurable viewing experience and yeah amazon is paying us for this of course we have to <laughs> yes thank you bezos um <laughs> I know you're you're in Kansas with Marty right now, partying it up. We appreciate your your millions of dollars that you have handed us uh, after our ultra successful 1917 yep, episode. Yep. Uh, Tim Cook also offered us it, but now that now that iTunes screwed me over, I'm sorry, Tim Cook, but we have to take your ad out. Oh, yeah. Take your ad out. I did. We're we're kicking we're kicking Cook Tim Apple to yeah, the curb. Tim you know? Apple is he's gone. He. <laughs> Well, he was at the uh, Globes. I guess there's no Apple T. There's no like Apple TV Plus thing for the Oscars, so he won't be there mm. to get insulted by Ricky okay, Gervais, yeah. unfortunately. But <laughs> that would be funny if the Oscars just like carted out Ricky Gervais <laughs> and he just roasted everyone again. He roasted specifically <laughs> Tim Cook, who was <laughs> not there. <laughs> Tim's just at home, like, come on, I can't escape this. Do you know, Ricky Gervais is like 58 or 60 years old or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I knew that. He's an old ass man. That man's almost as old as my dad. Yeah, that's that's pretty dang old. Um, I mean, it's no wonder he's so like curmudgeonly and, and like just all about <laughs> insulting people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, who's hosting the Oscars? Uh, no one. They're doing the thing again where it's just a bunch of people. Oh, classic. Yeah. After the whole Kevin Hart situation, they were like, you know what? Let's let's just do no one again. Maybe it'll be us one day. Be us too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, once once the Academy hears the biggies, they're going to be like, these guys got it right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, watch. If you're a Tarantino fan or a fan of film, just watch this. I think this is like out of the films on that list of best picture noms. This is I feel like this is the one I've like if you haven't seen any of the movies, you're going to go to first, I feel like, because it's I feel like it's just Tarantino is is a universal person people are gonna hit this one up first if not joker i guess yeah this one is the most fun this is by far the most fun oscar movie i agree um so yeah i feel like if people are if people are what if people have what like if i were to ask my parents or something what movies they've seen out of the best picture noms i feel like that is like the only one they've actually seen i think that might actually be true that and my mom saw joker and (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's it. I, I seriously don't think they've seen. Oh wait, no, my mom saw Little Women and loved it. Okay, yeah, um, it's you know if you're a Tarantino fan, you've already seen this movie, but it's uh, it's worth a go. It's not even his longest movie, I don't think, despite being like two hours and forty minutes or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's it's just like a good movie, and it's what's really refreshing is it's not you know, part of a cinematic universe or, uh, it, it can be fun without being about fantastical things. You know, I think that's what I appreciated most while watching it is it's just, 
it's it's a movie set in mostly the real world <laughs> and it's just a good time yeah i agree um yeah i i, I would not be scared by that runtime at all honestly like this movie is yeah i don't even this time i was kind of scared of the run like i was like oh two and a half hours i have to rewatch this movie but yeah me but too. once again i was like at just like the first time i was like oh the, the movie actually goes very fast and if you enjoy it it's just gonna go by pretty fast um but yeah and the, the you buckle in for that final act it's pretty dang good oh it's so good um spoiler town time uh, we're gonna walk down <laughs> to spoiler, spoiler town. <laughs> spoiler town. So good. Shout out to George. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna spoil the movie now. Starting now. Um, okay. Um. Uh. Shit. It's, uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt gets stabbed. Brad Pitt. He's he does. He gets stabbed. His dog is great. It's a good dog. <laughs> what a huge spoiler. Oh man, shit. We can't even spoil the movie right. <laughs> um let's like format this in like let's do it the way Tarantino did because he focuses on three characters. Um mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's character, Leo DiCaprio's character, and uh Sharon Tate. Um, I yes. should remember <laughs> like both of those both those Cliff Booth and and Rick, Rick Dalton. Dalton. Like both of them they say their names so often and they're so catchy that I should know them at this point. But Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, let's just go into. Let's start with uh, Rick Dalton in general because he's the main guy, um, mm-hmm. according to the Academy. He's nominated for best actor, not supporting. He is the leading actor. Um, so yeah, Rick Dalton. Let's talk about his story. I mean, it's it's a story about um, an actor who's he's getting older and he's starting to get more roles as bad guys in TV shows instead of. Yeah, he's he's worried about about falling into obscurity because he had his big successful TV show where he was the lead guy and then he wanted to be a movie star and that didn't really go much of anywhere. So now he's back into TV, but he's not even playing the lead guy anymore. He's just making appearances as like the monster of the week or the bad guy of the week. Yep. Um, So we follow him. uh, The main part of his story is him acting on one of those as as the main bad guy uh, so most of his story is his day on set for that and acting through that because uh, i mean we get this whole one of my favorite scenes of his is obviously with the little girl um mm-hmm. where they're both reading their thing and he's of course hit the novel he's reading is about a, a cowboy who's getting older and uh he's 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 not the best in town anymore yeah, he used to be all that, and now he's sort of uh, older and can't can't do his thing as well. And Rick Dalton sees himself in that and starts crying in front of this little girl. Um, yeah, she uh, what is he? He calls her like pumpkin puss yeah, or something. Yeah, she's upset, and she was like, "I don't appreciate names like pumpkin puss, but you're upset, so I'll let it slide." Exactly. Uh, the little girl's just fantastic. Even she's she's yeah. woke as heck. She's like. I don't appreciate the term actress. Yeah. She's like, what is an actress? That's nothing. (laughs) That's nonsense. Nonsense. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I love um, this whole character arc is, is great. I I really like Rick Dalton. Uh, Yeah. He's, he's very like, uh, like jaded. I, I don't know if jade is the right word at the beginning, but he, he sees sort of the end coming. Um, 
it's wild to me because he meets with Al Pacino's character in the mm-hmm. beginning. It's insane to me that's the same Al Pacino from the Irish. I know, right? He's like a completely different person. I, I compl- like after seeing the Irishman, I completely forgot Al Pacino. Like I saw his name pop up in the opening credits and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This guy is in this movie. I completely forgot. Cause they're, he's yeah. so different. Like he's, he's not de-aged and like his haircut and his beard and everything and his glasses just make him seem and his voice too, oh, yeah. completely different accent and everything. Oh, yeah. Pacino baby. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's there's a, there's a good amount of great actors in this film. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, M- Margaret Qu- Qualey from Death Stranding uh, is oh. in there. Uh, I'm gonna say she's from Death Stranding and not from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> well, uh, I always, that's that's the more important. one. I always say she's from The Leftovers because The Leftovers is my mm. favorite show, and that's what she's from in my mind. No, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She she plays she plays the lady with a ghost baby in Death Stranding. That's that's pretty powerful. I don't know. She plays uh, Garvey's daughter in The Leftovers. So that's nothing. So Rick Dalton, <laughs> um, Ricky Dalton. What's to what to say about his act? He's uh, obviously best friends uh, with Cliff Booth, his stunt double. Uh, he got a DUI, so he can't even drive his own car anymore. Um, and yeah, I guess. Leo, I think, really delivers on this character as far as just seeing this guy who wants more for himself. Like, he already has a lot, um, but he he wants to take that next step. He wants to be the movie star, the leading man, the thing that he was before, but even more than that. And, um, yeah, Leo, I think, nails it. I love the scene where he messes up his line. And then you, it's a, an immediate cut to his trailer, and he like yes. throws his fucking shit oh, in. Yeah. The glass breaks, and he's just railing on himself. It's like, you're not gonna d- it's stop like, drinking. Stop yeah. drinking, <laughs> you idiot! You're gonna you're gonna quit today. And then he chugs yeah. the fucking like tequila. <laughs> so good that part. God. Yeah. Oh. And just like I love the long takes of like them of him acting on the show with uh, um, Jim St- Timothy yeah, Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant play jim stacy um mm-hmm. I, I love those scenes of like them actually acting on the show um because they're really long like take type things there are cuts in there but mm-hmm. um yeah similar similar type to, i just like i like the pacing of those a lot i th- that was one of the complaints i heard a lot but i i like the pacing of those um yeah, no, I, I think all of his scenes really worked and really got to the core theme of the movie, which is like wanting to be more and, and not wanting to be forgotten or because uh, it's a very L.A. thing. And maybe it doesn't wouldn't connect as much with people outside of L.A., but everyone in this city is like so hungry. And even if they have something like they're always looking for like the bigger thing. Oh, yeah. Um, at least I feel that way a lot of the time um, and a lot of people I've talked to. So it was very relatable in the sense of like. Well, I, I am a video editor right now, but I, I'm always looking for like the next big thing that would that would be cool to work on or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the one thing in Rick Dalton's story that kind of gets lost for me a little bit is he has that day or those few days shooting that show where he plays the bad guy and he sort of finds it within himself to like really be an actor and, and dr- bring all of his emotions out. And the little girl is like, that's the best acting I've yeah, ever seen. Oh, yeah. And the director being like, oh, your improvisation was so good. Um, but then after that, he still decides to go to Italy and make shitty Italian films. That's true. I didn't think of that. 
that is that's... yeah so i was i was curious like what what sort of the message was there yeah because well i guess that's realistic i guess but like the whole like it felt like he had that meeting with because he had the meeting with al pacino and he was like upset he was like i don't want to be having mm-hmm. meetings like that where i'm getting role, lead roles in italy i don't want to have to take a lead role in italy i want to be here yeah and he's like italian films are terrible yeah. spaghetti westerns are awful <laughs> you know uh, being a lead role in italy is like nothing because those movies are garbage and he wants to be a big he wants to be steve mcqueen in the great escape mm-hmm. right uh so yeah i guess it is interesting that like and they don't i don't know it's not it's not a big deal like it just quickly happens kind of because they all of a sudden cut to like the six months later and that's when the narrator explains what happened yeah. instead of like us getting to see Leo. Well, I guess we do see we see um, Al Pacino call calling Rick Dalton mm-hmm. and offering yeah. it to him. Um, yeah. And I guess it's it's just weird because that it's clearly sort of an acceptance thing where he's like, OK, well, maybe Italian films are as good as it's going to get for me and. Uh, and they say like he loves the paparazzi in Italy because they all like give a shit about mm-hmm. him. Whereas in L.A., you know, he's not the next big movie star. Um, so it, it's just weird. I wish we had seen some more of a connection between like, oh, maybe this this like acting as as the heavy in every episode thing will work out to. Oh, no, I'll just go to Italy. I'll, I'll star in their yeah, movies. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I think that's I think it was that's fine. Um yeah, but Rick hey, Rick Dalton is a he's a, he's a good, well written character. I liked I liked his his whole thing a lot. Yeah, and I guess like ultimately part of it is everyone sort of has their I guess not really Margot Robbie, but uh, Cliff and Rick both have their kind of arcs of our careers are sort of coming to an end as we know them. What are we gonna do next? And Rick sort of looks for uh, maybe that Italian connection of of compromising and being the movie star in Italy and Cliff I guess sort of is like well maybe I will join this weird desert commune of hippie people I don't know <laughs> um, yeah let's talk about let's talk about Cliff I mean we could talk about each character until we get to that third act where they all sort of come together yeah but um well kind of yeah. um but Cliff um god it's it's hard if I had to pick between Cliff or Rick on which character I like better or which character I like better it's hard I think they're both very well written characters I think I definitely like Cliff better um yeah Cliff's great (laughs) um but Cliff I mean Cliff's got this whole backstory of like uh he possibly killed his wife we don't yeah that's that's the other weird thing is like we don't we never get confirmation on that I guess like I'm I'm more inclined to believe that he did yeah me too uh which is weird because then you think i wouldn't like his character as much but because they brush over it so fast i'm like oh well eh." yeah you kind of forget about it because it's it's Mm -hmm. it's a big thing at one point in the movie and then it just like drifts away um yeah it's but yeah i mean you see a scene and he's like he's like um we don't actually see him kill his wife but like it's like just thinking about that scene again it seemed like yeah, he could easily kill his wife and get away from it, get away with it. He's they're like on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Like he could easily do it. It's one of those things where it's like he was in the perfect position to murder his wife, and we'll never know if he really did or not. But she did die on that boat. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, Cliff Cliff Booth. He's like he's the stunt man for uh, Rick mm-hmm. Dalton. Um, 
and it seems like he it seems like he likes being in that position um he's not like the star he just he does the stunts um yeah he he gets paid he does rick's like housework and yeah drives him around and he's you know he's clearly like a much simpler man uh and he's he's fine he just wants to work i think is his thing whereas rick wants more and wants to be this bigger star he just wants to do something Mm -hmm. and he does something um oh yeah uh but yeah his is i mean his plot is more centered around um the hippie farm and the mansons and uh people like that um yeah uh, so he is driving around. He sees all the hippie girls, and he's sort of friendly with them. He always waves to them, mm-hmm. uh, and he can't he can't give them a ride for the first few times. But then the third time, Margaret Margaret Quayle's there dancing on the street corner, and he's like, "Hey, get in! I'll I'll take you wherever. I got nothing to do." Pussycat is her name. Yeah, Pussycat. Oh, I do love we the line. Love <laughs> we love pussy. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. We all love pussy. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah so uh also we shouldn't brush over he has a fun fight scene with bruce lee um where he beats him up a little bit wins Mm -hmm. the fight and then the australian lady gets very mad because he ruined her car yep (laughs) uh yeah the bruce lee bruce lee (laughs) the bruce lee shows up a lot in this film and i'm just like oh he just keeps showing up huh (laughs) yeah he's i mean nothing really major after yeah. his first big scene um i know his bruce lee's family apparently was not happy with his portrayal in this movie yep, they did not like it um yeah i i don't know it's it's one thing because like obviously the family was upset and so that's bad uh it's obviously the movie's very fictional um or in like a heightened sense of reality and an alternate timeline ultimately um but yeah, and he, he has some nice little moments where he's training uh, Sharon Tate to do her kick and all yeah. that. I mean, I could see being mad. Like, I wouldn't be mad about him getting beat up, I guess. But, like, I don't know if Bruce Lee was actually like that, but he was just like an ass when he was talking. Yeah, no, he was very, very cocky. And I think that's probably what they were most upset. Like, obviously, Bruce Lee, if you're mad that, like, your grandfather or whatever lost a fight in a fake movie, like, come on, yeah. guys. I mean, that was the I, the point was, like, Cliff is a badass and he beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah, it's it's important setup because Cliff is, and they also say that he's a war hero, so like he's seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all in service of Cliff is really tough, and we need to know that for the end. Oh yeah, he's 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 tough, baby. I would I would say that he's pretty badass if you ask me. Oh, he is absolutely badass. It's too bad this wasn't a Marvel movie, or he would have been like doing flips and had a jetpack and yeah, shit. I was, I was like, "Where's his jetpack? Give him the jetpack, Tarantino." Is is that Iron Man? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he goes to the farm, and the farm scene is—I mean, the whole movie similarly paced, but this is also—it's—it's it's slow, drawn out, long, sort of him, and mm-hmm. it's. This one's more suspenseful than the than um, Rick Dalton acting because you're kind of just like, what's happening here, you know? Yeah, it's it's really good, and I I think what I appreciate most about it is how kind of tense but real it is, and that he immediately is like, oh, something really fucking weird is going on here, and mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't leave until I know the old man who used to live here is is like okay, yeah. um, which he was. He, he was apparently blind. Yeah, I, but. 
I guess he was okay. You could argue he was okay. Yeah, it still seemed fishy. Um, and this is a, the old guy's, of course, the Nebraska guy we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, Nebraska mm. man. Um, yep. Fantastic. <laughs> Love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he I was very believable as like a senile, delirious old man. Yeah. I, honestly, it could have been the guy from Nebraska. He just moved to Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Or he just wandered yeah. there and was like, I own this ranch huh? now. I want it in the mail. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, that was, I mean, the whole, everyone was just weird on the ranch, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And then he beats the shit out of one of them for popping his tire. He, Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, funny connection there. You remember Tanner, right, from our old office? Uh, yeah, yeah, Tanner. Yeah, Tanner, he is uh, friends with that really? guy. Wow. Yeah, the one of the Manson girls and that guy, he's friends with both of them. And he was telling me that um, the guy on set, the guy who gets beat up by Brad Pitt um, for uh, slicing his tire, uh, that guy apparently improvised the line um, where he's like, can I at least get a rag to wipe my face off or uh. something? And, and Cliff is just like, no. <laughs> Uh, he was saying his friend was like super nervous about that because he he had to go to Quentin Tarantino and be like, oh, I had an idea. Like, do you think I could say this line? Because like my face is covered in blood. <laughs> and Tarantino was like, yeah, sure. G- g- go ahead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a moment. Um, yeah. Well, it's just like crazy because like think about yourself. I like, oh, th- I'm I'm on set with Quentin Tarantino in an incredibly small acting role, yeah. like wandering up to him and having to be like. Hey, I know like you write your scripts to be entirely airtight, but I have a suggestion. <laughs> That's crazy that Tarantino <laughs> was like, "Yeah, go ahead." Yeah, well, I mean, he's still a director. Yeah. Like actors improvise lines, but I just can't even imagine the the anxiety I would have approaching oh, yeah. like the screenwriting yeah. guy, and, like offering an amendment to his <laughs> script. I think I should uh, be able be able to ask if I could wipe my face here. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tarantino, do you think I could just say like, uh, like poopy, poopy, fart? But uh, that thing would be and really like, funny. Yes, I think it'd be a really funny line. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Swiss Army Man directors, and they're like, yeah. of course. <laughs> the whole thing was, yeah. all the farts, all the <laughs> farts were improv. That's literally what the script all says. All the farts were improv. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe oh, just started yeah. farting, and they're like, I guess we just have to keep it in <laughs> and there. They're like, yeah the movie was actually about a dead corpse like that didn't talk or do anything (laughs) daniel radcliffe's just started farting and they're like all right now here's something that would be an amazing set story oh yeah Um, they just completely changed the movie they're like wait a second we got something here yeah there's more to this um but yeah the uh, brad pitt beats the shit out of this dude and leaves Mm -hmm. um they run to get Tex, but Tex isn't back in time. He's already changed the tire by the time uh, Tex gets Good around. Good old Tex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this. I mean, talking about it, like not that much happens, but it's still great. I, like. Yeah, it's it's just very like he goes there. Something weird's going on. He has a really tense conversation with the redheaded girl, um, who apparently has crazy sex with the man in the yep. bed. <laughs> um. <laughs> And and that scene I feel like is constructed really well too because uh, he gets there and he's like, oh, does George still live here? And he's like, yeah. Does he live in that house there? <laughs> yeah. Can I see him? Uh, no. 
because it, it you really genuinely believe that they're lying until he finally goes into the room and the guy's yeah. there. Um, cause like, even when he shows up, I was like, oh, maybe he's dead. And they've just been like living here with a dead body in that yeah. room. And they, once again, uh, Swiss army manned it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really well done. Cause you just assume they're lying or they've like kidnapped him or something. And then like, no, he's just cool with them being there. Yeah. <laughs> or he's, I think, I think the deal might've been that he doesn't actually know how many people cause he's live blind. there cause he's blind. Yeah. So he just assumes it's like the one girl and she maybe has friends or she something. She has sex with him. So he's like. She, yeah. He's like, I'm all good. <laughs> she has sex and they watch FBI yeah. together, even though he's yep. blind. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I guess uh, besides Cliff Cliff and Rick, there's Sharon Tate, who has their own little. Th- yeah, there certainly Has is. her own little thing. Her, <laughs> her side of the plot is uh, going to see a movie that she's in. Uh, um, yeah. She also goes to a party and um at the Playboy yeah, Mansion. Yeah, she goes to a party at the Playboy Mansion. Um and uh now that you mention it, <laughs> I will bring up the feet thing because this time around I noticed the feet way more now that it was pointed out to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you not notice the feet thing the, the first, first time, time? The only pair of feet I'd like genuinely was like, "Oh, feet" was when Sharon Tate puts her feet up on the seats. And uh, that's the most obvious yeah. one. But this time I recognized it every time <laughs> like um when when uh Quayley puts her feet up on dash when mm-hmm. like the entire house of girls at the farm have their feet up like they're just feet yep. all over this freaking movie yeah there's that one shot where the morning after the playboy party the scene starts on her feet and then pans up to her yep. face or yeah uh when she's sleeping in bed there's uh, when Leo and his new Italian wife get back from the airport. There's a shot of them walking through the airport. That's just their feet. God, it's everywhere. <laughs> I this time around, I just every time there was a foot, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh God, because like most pretty much every other Tarantino film just has like the one or the yeah. two foot moments that we all know. But this one's like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and I was weird. But uh, yeah, feet. Uh, but Sharon, Sharon Tate, I mean, Sharon Tate's role in this movie is like the, sort of a, um, it's, it's, it's a disguise of sorts, I guess it's, she's in there because it's about, it's an event that it's about an event that happened to Sharon Tate. So she should be yeah. in there, even though the same event does not go down. Yeah. It's, it's similar to Inglorious Bastards where it's like, it's the real world event, but the ending is way different. Yeah. So, I mean, another big complaint is Sharon Tate doesn't have that big of a role in this movie. Not that many speaking lines. Mara Robbie did not do that yeah. much. Um, but I, that, that was obviously on, on purpose. I don't think, I think mm-hmm. Tarantino wanted Tate to, to speak. Like, I don't know. Just the way he, her role in this movie made it like, I think he perfectly nailed like making it. So you still question what was going to happen to her. Yeah. And if the actual yeah, thing think, was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately like her purpose in the story was you have Rick and Cliff who are kind of this old Hollywood and they're like fading into obscurity and they're worried about what's going to happen to him. And then Sharon Tate she's the new Hollywood and she's the new hopes and dreams and the rising star. Um, and obviously in real life, she was a rising star. Um, and then ultimately gets killed and that's it for her whole career. Um, 
So she's that that contrast where we see Rick and Cliff kind of falling apart and not knowing what to do with their lives and Sharon Tate who's got like her whole life ahead of her and her whole career ahead of her. And so we get those little glimpses of like she gets to go to the Playboy Mansion now and and go to the big parties and you know she gets to go to the movie theater and be like I'm in that movie, <laughs> you know. And people don't really know who yeah. she is and you're like, oh, she's the one from uh, Valley of the Dolls. Is she this one? No. Is she that one? No. <laughs> but like, they know she's famous, and so she's sort of on the rise. She's the future. Mm-hmm. And we get to see her like watch the movie she's in, and when people like are laughing at stuff that she's doing and cheering, she's like super mm-hmm. happy about it. Yeah, I, I mean, as like anyone yeah. would be. And I think I think the point of all that was like to I don't know. It, it's like top 10 moments before a disaster. So it's like when you, when it's like <laughs> yeah. when good things are happening, you like, you are more likely to think like, Oh no, the director's going to fuck me on this one. And like something bad's going to happen to yeah. the character who's enjoying life and having so much fun. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, I think you actually kind of nailed it where it's like that picture where it's like, this is a picture a guy took of his girlfriend before pushing her off a cliff or yeah, something like yeah. that. Here's a picture of Sharon Tate's feet right before she got <laughs> yeah, murdered. Exactly. It's the, the purpose was like to to because you know it's a Tarantino, so you know he likes alternate history mm-hmm. things. So I think the purpose was like, oh, does he does is it still alternate history this time around, or does he do some? Does he follow yeah. it? What happened? Well, technically, it's all alternate history because every Tarantino movie takes place in the same universe, oh. except for Kill Bill, which. The way, the way he said is that Kill Bill is like a movie that the characters in his other movies would watch. Oh. So, so, so technically Kill Bill is, is like it's kind of in it. <laughs> yes, like if you went into like Rick Dalton's DVD collection, you'd probably find Kill Bill parts one and two in wow. there. Well, unless it hadn't yeah. come out in 1969. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but yeah, in, in this universe, Hitler was murdered by the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Um, and Sharon Tate was not murdered. So, yes, and then maybe because of that butterfly effect, yeah, you know, who knows? And because of that, Kill Bill happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, someone was like, "I should make a, a Kill Bill movie." <laughs> um, but yeah, the, we get after after we follow these three characters kind of separately. They um, mm-hmm. we get we get the the magical third act of this film. Oh yeah, where it all goes down. Uh, because the whole movie, you're just like, it's looming. The Sharon Tate murder, it's looming. You're like, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's it's just, it's fizzling, with the exception of obviously Cliff going to the ranch. It's just sort of looming in the background. Charlie uh, Manson just wanders up to their front door. He's like, oh, I thought the old people still lived here. Because he's like canvassing the house to like plan mm-hmm. the murder. Um, Which is super creepy because he's just like this regular ass looking dude. Yep. Um. Um, and yeah, so I guess like the only thing I would say is I think it's a little bit warranted the complaints about Sharon Tate not getting a lot of lines because she really is just there as sort of like background to everything. Yeah. Um, in in Demi's review, maybe it wasn't Demi, I can't remember. Someone's review on Letterboxd, yeah. they mentioned it would have been badass if Sharon Tate would have would have also been killing the Mans the Manson people. That's true. Like if if she had taken the place of the Italian wife yeah. who like gets a punch in, I think that could work. Like because like obviously Sharon Tate, pregnant Sharon Tate, like 
eight months pregnant doing like a cliff booth would have been ridiculous but it's, it still would have been hilarious and i i, I think oh, i would have yeah. liked i I, w- I probably would have liked it better if sharon tate was involved there too yeah i i think it would have been a bridge too far to make her like the main yeah. aggressor yeah. in it but her her getting like a punch in or something i think would have worked but ultimately that's not the not really what the movie is yeah um but yeah, so Tate's like basically just a non-existent in this. We see her a bit and Tarantino like sets her up a little bit, like gives us her location and stuff like that throughout the night. Yeah. And, and uh, Rick has that line where he says, you know, one pool party and I could be in because, you know, he wants to be in with the new Hollywood mm-hmm. people. And so he lives right next door to Roman Polanski, who's on the up and up. Sharon Tate's on the up and up. If he can get in, then maybe he can be in the next Polanski film or something. Uh, yeah. Um, but basically the whole, I mean, so the, the people from the hippie farm are, are going to, uh, do this murder. Everyone who's in, who's in the, that house, Sharon Tate's home, the Polanski home. Yep. Um, well, we, we can't forget. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually you're right. They were going to murder Sharon Tate and, uh, the, they get a little bit interrupted. Yeah, uh, the first, the first difference <laughs> comes when Rick Dalton, uh, because, because the car is very loud and Rick Dalton is very upset at how, as to how loud it is, takes his frozen margarita mm-hmm. blender, runs outside and starts yelling <laughs> at the hippies to get and drinking yeah. straight from the blender. <laughs> Tell them to get the hell out of here. And that's super important because, when they do get the hell out of there, instead, they, the, the plans change. They don't want to go murder the people in the Polanski house anymore. Now they're like, you know, that Rick Dalton, like, they they recognize, oh, that was Rick Dalton, and that they like him. Yep. And then they're like, you know what? Our, the one lady is just like, talking about, like, hippie shit. It's just like, you know, all the TV, the media is teaching us to yeah, murder, yeah. so I think we should murder the people who taught us murder. Yeah, she was like, oh, and I love the way she was like, we, we got to get him, man. <laughs> yep, yep. It's like so clearly like coked out of her mind or something yep. or like doped up. And uh, yeah, it's obviously like ridiculous reasoning, but they were sent there to murder someone that night. And, you know, you might as well do it to the dude who's one, not behind a locked mm-hmm. gate. And uh, two was just a huge <laughs> asshole to you in the middle of yep. the street. Uh, and then, of course, you have that one hippie who uh, forgot her knife in the car and just drove. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, Maya Hawk, Uma Thurman's oh, yes. daughter. Um, <laughs> so they don't have a car anymore, but they, uh, yeah, they go approach the house. At this point, uh, Cliff is back in the house and um, tripping on acid. Oh, yeah, yeah. He takes his acid-dipped cigarette, which takes a little while to yeah, kick in. It, it does. Um, <laughs> I love that reveal too. And it's so nice because you know, so many movies, as soon as it kicks in, like the screen would go all wobbly and the colors would come in, but you don't get that perspective at all. He just like points his finger and he's like, whoa. (laughs) And he like starts pointing it again. (laughs) Everything he does, he's like, whoa, (laughs) shit. Um, Which makes for hilarious moments, of course, when they burst in uh, and try to murder him. Oh, it's so much, it's so much funnier because of that. Because if you had seen that, you know, again a lesser director would have had them bust in the house and they all would have like big eyes and goofy Mm -hmm. mouths and we would have been in cliff's eyes but because he's high and but we're seeing the reality it's like holy shit this is terrifying and dangerous 
but Cliff is like yeah. laughing at them. Um, and I just love the line where, where Tex is just like, I'm the devil. Come to do the devil's work. Um, and Cliff is just or because Cliff asked him what his name was again. And he was like, I'm the yeah, devil. Yeah. Come do the devil's work. And he was like, no, some stupider than that. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, Tex. Yeah, he's like, Tex. yeah, Tex. Pretty, well, he was like, it was like something like Rex. And he's like, Tex. <laughs> Or she was mm-hmm. like, text. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, text. Um, yeah, I also love um, when he's, after the whole fight scene, when he's in the uh, the stretcher and he's recounting the events and he's like, eh, some hippie said he was the, the devil and he was going to do some <laughs> devil shit. <laughs> that, that's not verbatim, but that's kind of what he said. <laughs> devil shit? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's so like in line with his character but it's i mean it's just great like there's never a second i mean there's never a second of the movie cliff i feel like isn't just confident and in this moment he's exuding confidence that he's just like not scared at all well it's like um well i think part of it is he's like super high and then the other part is like he knows tonight is kind of his last night with rick and is like sort of the end of his career in a way because if he doesn't if he isn't a stunt double for rick like what is what is he and so he's like, you know, fuck it. Like, even if I die tonight, who gives yeah. a shit? Um, uh, but yeah, him and his him and his dog just fuck fuck up this these hippies. Oh my god, so bad. It's so good. He because like when I, the first time I saw it, I didn't necessarily expect yeah. the dog. When he just like clicks twice, he goes, and the dog just immediately yeah. pounces and knocks the gun out of the guy's hand, just tears oh, him yeah. up. I mean, but she she um, just like, fucking like whams the can into that girl. Uh, oh yeah, he fucking yeah. eats the fucking can and brains oh, yeah. her, and her nose oh, is all yeah. broken. Oh god, it's it's just so satisfying to watch. It's it's one of those things where this is peak Tarantino because you're watching this horrible, horrific violence unfold, and you're just laughing hysterically the whole yeah. time. I mean it. Because of how ridiculous it's because of the it situation. It's because you like know these hippies are, you know what they did in real life. So you're just like, yeah. no matter, no matter, even if they were nice people, you would hate them because you're like, no, these were murdering piece of shit. And like, yeah, and actually, T- Tanner was telling me because I know some people had an issue with the one girl where he just keeps bashing her <laughs> head into shit. Like she he oh, obliterates yeah. that yeah. woman's face, and so people, you know, violence against women thing. Um, I was talking to Tanner and he was telling me that that character was based off of the girl in real life who apparently like cut the baby out of Sharon Tate's belly or something oh. like something horrible. So Tarantino was like, that's the character who's like getting it yeah. the worst. Um, Jesus. So, yeah. So, you know, Tex goes down pretty fast. He gets his dick ate by <laughs> yeah. Brandy, the dog. Uh, and then Cliff just steps on his face and crushes yep. his skull. <laughs> Um, with his fucking moccasins. Um, but yeah, he just fucking destroyed because he that's when he gets stabbed or he then gets the mm-hmm. knife in him and then he just fucking takes uh, this is the redhead. He doesn't even feel it because he's yeah, so high. Takes takes her and just whams her against the phone, whams her everywhere. Just, yeah, destroys her. And meanwhile, the other girl is on the ground like constantly screaming. She's screaming through the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she grabs the gun and she like can't even see because her face is so fucked up. Uh, and she got like Kermit the Frog yeah. arms and she crashes through the window. And this is um, when Rick, fi- Rick Dalton finally gets involved because he's got headphones on the whole time. And he 
Yeah. She's like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> this girl just comes yeah. crashing through with a gun. Yeah, falling through the pool and firing the yeah. gun in the air. Uh, and we are essentially just describing the fight scene right now, but it is so <laughs> good that I I just want I know, to. I just love reliving it because that Rick, Rick grabs yeah. that fucking flamethrower and just sets her ablaze. Yeah, which which is also set up. That's the only weird thing. I'm like, she's in a pool. Yeah. She could just duck under oh, the yeah. water. Why is she still up here <laughs> letting herself burn to death? She wants to. But at that point, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's so good. Um, and yeah, that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole thing. The, that's the, the Manson movie. murders didn't happen, yo. <laughs> no, we got it. We fucking turn that shit around, um, huh? But I will always, I don't know. I love, I'm a sucker for movies that end on the title of the movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Um, so. Yeah, Dark Knight does it real uh, well. So, yeah, just a, just a sucker for when the um, title of the movie pops up there at the end. Yeah. I think I think every short film I directed in college, uh, I did that just because that's what I liked yeah, so much. I, don't, I just really like. I don't know. <laughs> it gives me. It just gives me chills to see the title, and I'm like, yeah, that is what the movie was mm. called. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> they remembered. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get this. Cliff's gonna be fine. You assume. I mean, he says he's gonna be fine. So yeah, he's going to the hospital. He's like, eh, stay with yeah. your wife. And oh, he was saying like, yeah, Brandy might be kind of shaken. She may want to sleep with you. And he's like, ah, she's already sleeping yeah. with my wife. And then, um, I mean, it, yeah, it ends with Rick finally getting invited over to Sharon Tate's house, which is what he wanted. And I don't mm-hmm. know. It was a great moment for him because yeah, no, the the gates finally open and he finally gets to like live that dream yeah. of of being. He he gets his chance to to be in the next big Hollywood. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um, and yeah, Sharon. I mean, Sharon Tate and those people there love love his work previously, and he's just like, oh, that, that yeah, makes apparently. him so happy that the guy knows where the flamethrower's from. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's I don't know. It's a great happy ending. I love love it. It is a very pleasant ending. I've heard an interpretation which is kind of like Rick sort of learns nothing from all this in that like he he makes sort of the adult decision in the movie to do the Italian thing and the adult decision to because he was going to sell his house and just get a condo with his wife and just sort of live off that money. Um, But as soon as he's about to make that decision, oh, here's another chance. Like here's the Mm -hmm. next thing. And instead he decides not to grow up and, and try and keep going after the the hollywood dream yeah that's that's the hollywood dream you know either interpretation is is valid and it's just nice it's nice like oh sharon tate didn't get brutally murdered and rick dalton gets to go to a a fun little party at like 1 (laughs) a.m and he's gonna get bagels with cliff in the morning at the hospital it's uh everyone's happy in the end um yeah it's all good it's all good in the neighborhood uh, I have to imagine there's going to be a lot of blood to scrape off of his phone and his coffee table <laughs> and his mantle. Probably. Um, someone's. I'm sad we didn't get to see the scene of someone like fishing the burned up body out of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a good, good, Tarant- good Tarantino fun. I enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a, I mean like, uh, it's like uh, the movie tricks you in a way 
because the whole movie you're like this is good this isn't like tarantino's best but i I appreciate all the themes i really like the the acting and directing and then the third act comes in and you're like fuck yes yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) like the the third act in a way doesn't even really connect to the rest of the movie in any meaningful way it's just fun honestly it's like its own movie in Honestly, a sense. If you don't know the real life event, like it feels like this movie could be like weird to you because like you're just like, yeah. what is the ending? I don't understand what was happening. Like that is another thing is um, I think the red letter media guys said this, that like in the context of the film, the three, you know, Manson people who go to the house technically haven't done anything that wrong. Like they go there to kill them, but you know them being so brutally yeah. murdered in that way doesn't necessarily just is not is not necessarily justified by them just breaking into the house with a yeah. gun but because we know um, what happens so, in real life it's justified yes yeah so but yeah i could see if someone didn't know about the sharon tate or the manson family murders or anything like that like you would just see this movie and be like oh that was weird <laughs> like so the so the people just break into his house and it ends yeah. and th- you, what was the point yeah. of all that? <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see if you did not know about Sharon Tate or anything, you'd, I think you'd be pretty weird. <laughs> you'd just be like, "What? Yeah, is it's, happening? It's a bizarre." And you'd be ending. like, "Why is Sharon Tate in this movie? Even what was Margot Robbie's character's purpose mm-hmm. at all? I don't get this." <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like she fu- functionally as a character as a plot device, Margot Robbie could just not be in this movie and it would be the same movie, but. Um, I, like, and like I said, she has thematic importance uh, about New Hollywood and those new hopes and dreams. But y- you know, she if she, if Sharon Tate wasn't a real murdered person, she wouldn't have been yeah, in this exactly. movie. Um, but yeah, I we've gone through all this. I still couldn't tell you the reason why it's not four and a half or five. It's still just four for me. Uh, well, I think the reasons we talked about the the disjointedness yeah. of it, um, the the fact that if you don't know about Sharon Tate, the ending is yeah. just weird. Um, and, and I think the, the disconnect with kind of some of the Italian things, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a four star for sure. And four star means, uh, great. Yeah, to I me. agree. Four star. I mean, it's just, I bring that up because Neil, when I give something four stars, Neil always wants me to explain because mm-hmm. I don't know, because four stars is like to him, four stars means like I'm putting no effort into this rating and I'm just going to give it like the thing to please everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I still think four stars is great. A great movie. I, yeah, I, I gave 1917 four stars. Yeah, I no, think, it's think my it's pretty good. So yeah, my, my scale is like one is bad. Two is okay. And like two and a half is average, like perfectly yeah. average. Um, three is good four is great and five is amazing you know mind not mind blowing and not perfect i don't consider five stars perfect i consider five stars like something i just didn't expect and didn't know i wanted yeah, in a way on the same scale pretty much yeah so yeah once upon a time in hollywood is great i don't think it's as good as my favorite tarantino movie which is uh inglorious bastards minus kill bill mm. i i count them so, both as one movie yeah yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tarantino, good job. I still think he's going to win Best Picture, so we'll see what happens this weekend. All right, we'll see. And we'll see if he goes beyond. I think he's going to do more than 10 movies. Yeah, I I could definitely see it. I, I don't know. I'll just let it happen. Uh, I, I would be happy if he makes yeah. more than 10 because I yeah. like 
I enjoy I enjoy every one of his films. I, there's not one that I've just been like I hated that. So yeah, it's he's he is just like a pure filmmaker. It just it never feels like there's anything behind. Obviously, he's making the movies to make money, but there's never anything behind it. There's no cinematic universe he's trying to support. There's no you know like oh well we everyone knows James Bond so let's just make another James yeah. Bond movie. It's it's always just like making art because he wants to make his art which is yeah, really nice i agree i like it um i still want to watch hateful eight and like the tv format tv episode format yeah i also want to do that, that. Mm-hmm. um but yeah that i have this is a long episode so i guess we should sign off before people get mad it is incredibly long but it hopefully yeah. worth it uh and until next time stay big you beautiful boys and girls